Welcome back to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night as I'm recording this following the Denver Nuggets win over the New York Knicks. Final score, 132-115. The Nuggets had a first half that was epic. It was fantastic, and it was a flamethrower of a first half. So much so that they scored 83 points, and that was the most amount of points scored in the NBA in the first half this year. No other team has scored above 80 points, I'm pretty sure, in the first half, or it might have been 81. Uh, The Nuggets got to 83 and outpaced every other team. They were just on fire throughout this game, and, and you can't really give all the credit to the starters tonight. Which is awesome. Like this is this is one of the things that if you are the Nuggets, you're really happy about how this game went today. Not necessarily like, okay, third quarter, fourth quarter was it was what it was. Denver kind of let the Knicks hang around. But the bench did their work early. They were fantastic. And it was great to see this bench unit really come together do something special against a Knicks bench unit that is usually one of the better ones in the league where they play really well together. Tonight, it wasn't the case. They didn't have uh, Mitchell Robinson in the starting lineup or Nerlens Noel with the backup units. So uh, the bench really went to work. And I'm going to talk about them in the first segment. We're going to switch it up. Usually I go starters in the first, bench in the second. The bench earned the first segment tonight. Uh, not not really a surprise at all, given that they combined for, oh, I don't know. Well, Jamichael Green had 20, Zeke Naji had 11, Marcus Howard had 2, Bones Highland had 22, Bryn Forbes had 6. So that right there is 61 points off the bench. And if you're thinking, okay, 61, that is a very, very high number. And some of it came from just some extended time. The starters weren't on the floor for as much, but they still got 71 points. So Denver reached the starter 70-point threshold, the bench 30-point threshold, and they doubled that threshold this time around. And the bench, let's face it, they won the game. They put the game away in the first half. And we got to start with Bones Highland. I know that Jamichael Green had a really nice game. I know that Zeke Naji had a really nice game. But the leader of the backup unit is undoubtedly Bones. And the way that he has performed, the way that he has strung together uh, some really great performances with this bench unit, not just like, so he, he had a bad one this last game. And the ability to bounce back against a pretty tough cover, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, both of them spent a lot of time on him. He roasted them. And one of the first plays that he had when he came into the game, Kemba Walker was still in the game. I think this was the no, was this either the first quarter or the second quarter? It might have been the second quarter, actually. He puts Kemba Walker on the ground, uh, forces him to touch the hardwood floor with a crossover, a little bit of a push-off, don't get me wrong, but Bones got away with it. The crowd goes ooh and ah. And he watches Kemba Walker fall to the floor, watches Kemba Walker watch him, and then he calmly drains a three in his face and points at the ground. It was awesome. 
And you love to see a rookie play with that amount of confidence because Bones, that's just what his game is. He's a confident player. He's going to do everything at 100 where where he's going to be unabashedful, unabashed in the kinds of shots that he's taking, in the kinds of plays that he's making. And he just he, it was just a fantastic performance tonight. 22 points, 6 of 12 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. 6 of 7 from the line is a really impressive number as well, where he got to the line several times and Emmanuel Quigley couldn't stay in front of him. Alec Burks couldn't stay in front of him. Kemba Walker obviously couldn't. And he adds six rebounds, all on the defensive end of the floor. Some of them really impressive ones too. Three assists and only has one turnover. Uh, This is just a masterful performance where Bones goes plus 27 in 25 minutes in a 17-point win, which means that the Nuggets were minus 10 when Bones wasn't on the floor. That's a pretty big indicator of where this game was won or lost. And he, his ability to lead that unit, get them set into some good offense, and then having them generate several great shots was just really indicative of how far he has come in this rookie season. Just a really fantastic performance. Jermichael Green got the defensive player of the game chain from Michael Malone post-game. And I think that's probably a little bit of gamesmanship. Uh, Jermichael Green did have a couple of good plays, but so did Zeke Naji. And I thought that Zeke's defense tonight was spectacular in some cases. But Jermichael Green gets a couple of nice plays to go and also gets pretty much every shot to go to. 20 points, 6 of 7 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line. He got fouled on a three-pointer, made the other two. Uh, Four rebounds, two assists, two steals, plus 21 in his 17 minutes. Just a really, really impressive game from Jermichael Green. And you wonder if this is the last game that he plays in a Nuggets uniform because the trade deadline's on Thursday. Uh, Denver doesn't play another game on Wednesday or Thursday. If this is the last game that Jermichael Green plays, then, man... It's It was a really, really good game to go out on, where he showed a lot of what has kind of been missing from the Nuggets for this season. Uh, he has been hitting his shots. He hit his pick and pop, uh, got to the foul line, made his free throws, rebounded the ball well, made a couple of nice passes and, and decisions with the basketball, blitzed the pick and roll well without fouling, and got a couple steals and a couple pick six plays. Just a really, really impressive all-around game from Jamichael Green. And he's had a tough year. I think that's unequivocal. I think everybody would say so, that he's he's had a really tough year. He's been in a tough place. And he just hasn't delivered well on being the backup center that this Nuggets team needed. Perhaps he turns that around if he's still on the team. Perhaps he's not on the team. Perhaps he decides that he wants to uh, go somewhere else. Perhaps he just says he wants to be here. There is a lot that has to be discussed, and we'll talk about the trade market in the third segment. But I do think that Jermichael Green endeared himself well to the Nuggets tonight, as well as to other teams. 
He's still a valuable player who can really make an impact and has had a tough shooting year, but when he's shooting the ball well, looks like a completely different basketball player. So kudos to Jamichael Green for a really, really impressive game. Zeke Naji missed every three tonight, and it may still have been his best game of the season. That's not crazy either. Zeke's defense tonight and his ability to get on the offensive glass, make plays on both ends of the floor, the hustle plays, just super, super impressive. Uh, this is why the Nuggets got Zeke Naji. His ability to shoot jumpers, which he hasn't been, he didn't hit them tonight, but he's still shooting 50% from three on the season. So he gets a pass. But really, it's his ability and as an athlete, to mirror the opposing team's uh, perimeter players, which it's just a really, really endearing thing that as a 21-year-old, he at 6'10", 6'11", however tall he is, is able to stay in front of R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Cam Reddish, Julius Randle, switching onto guards and Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quigley. So many guys went at Zeke Naji tonight. They all tried to take him as a mismatch, and it never was. He really was just in perfect position on so many of those shots. And a couple times those guys shot it and made it over him, but he made it as tough as he possibly could. And it's just another really, really impressive game from Zeke, where he continues to show his value and his utility to this Nuggets team as a player who's going to continue to get better as a perimeter defender as he continues to improve. He's made a lot of strides. I posted on Twitter tonight that he's making a little bit of a leap. And I tend to still agree with that. This is a player in Denver, or in in Najee, excuse me, that it was a real question as to whether he or Bol Bol should be given the opportunities at the beginning of this season. Had a really, really tough summer league. Looked like he was struggling. Wasn't necessarily all the way there from a confidence standpoint and from a functional standpoint. I think there's a lot of concerns at times when you're thinking about what position Zeke Naji was going to play at the next level. Uh, he, to me, seemed like a guy who would profile as a stretch five, somebody who gets involved on the pick and roll actions, can be a, a five on defense and then switch everything. But he's a little bit too small for that, a little bit too, uh, not weak, but like his, his hips are like really good for a perimeter player, not as good for an interior player, like doesn't have as much weight uh, in his lower body. But I do think that at the four, he makes a lot of sense for a number of reasons. He can stick with the perimeter guys. He can switch on to interior guys. He can rotate and be a pest as a team defender. And on the offensive end, he can float in between being in the dunker spot, kind of being around for offensive rebounds, or being on the perimeter and doing what he does best, and that's hitting outside shots and spacing the floor. He, to me, has solidified his place in the Nuggets rotation. And 
it's no surprise that over the last two games, he's played more than Jeff Green, which is crazy. Like Jeff Green, he's, he's somebody who I think that Jeff Green is probably going to stay in the rotation for sure. But if Denver is confident that Michael Porter is coming back, per se, and that another team is offering a first-round pick for Jeff Green, then there's something there that Zeke Naji is still going to give you some really, really great minutes and has proven himself to have earned that right. So I don't think that Denver is going to do that. I don't, I'm, I'm not like reporting anything or I don't want to really push anything too much because Jeff has been good for the Nuggets as well. But what Zeke has done uh, over the course of this last month has really, really impressed me. Just from a improvement and just tangible impact standpoint. Uh, he's so utility filled that he can be helpful for the Nuggets in pretty much any situation, including in the playoffs. Bryn Forbes, not really a great game from Bryn Forbes. Did have uh, he did go two of four from three. So I'm like, I don't want to highlight too terribly much, but not a good defensive game from Bryn Forbes. Did get a little bit unlucky on a couple of the fouls that he had, where I think Quigley threw in a uh, a weird, awkward, off balance shot, and then. Alec Burks did the same thing, and they both just happened to drop, and uh, Forbes committed a shooting foul where nobody makes those shots, and they went in. Um, but either way, like I'm, I'm still a little bit worried about Forbes from a rotation standpoint. He, to me, has really proven his utility as an offensive spacer, somebody who the opposing defense has to totally... Uh, factor in at all times. But on the defensive end, it has just been really painful to watch at times. And this is something I'm going to be watching as Denver tries to solve some of their problems at the trade deadline or potentially on the buyout market afterwards. I think there's room for Denver to find a better defensive player to kind of go on the wing. And I think that they're going to consider that. But either way, hey, Bryn Forbes, six points, two of four from three, plus 18. He also had a couple of nice assists. So I don't want to, like, berate the guy. Like, he he did his job. He did he filled his role tonight. And then Davon Reed, uh, not a great game from Davon Reed. Um, took a couple of very aggressive three-pointers. A um, couple of them in clutch time, but also in transition with the second unit at times. Felt like he probably could have had better shot selection, but I'm not going to blame him too much. Everything was really rolling for that second unit tonight, and him trying to get in on the action, I don't really blame him. He he does deserve continued opportunities, though. I think that with Austin Rivers out tonight due to a hip flexor injury, one that he's been dealing with for a couple games here, it's possible that Denver sits Austin Rivers until the All-Star break, and perhaps Davon Reed continues to get some extended run. Uh, I hope that he continues to get that, because he is a guy who can make a tangible impact with that second unit, even if the shot isn't going down, because he's a good defender. He's going to be helpful in a lot of those cases, and he's one of the reasons why the Knicks had a couple of bad defensive halves, or a couple of bad defensive quarters in the second and the fourth. 
It partially was because of Davon Reed, too. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into the starters and how they performed. But first, the Super Bowl is finally here. DraftKings Sportsbook is going to give you a great opportunity for getting involved on Super Bowl 56 bets. You head on over to DraftKings. All the customers there are going to get, all the new customers there especially, going to get 56 to 1 odds on either team where you bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, that's okay. You can still get in on the props, still get in on all the action with uh, same-game parlays as well. But the prop bets are really fun. Get a quarterback uh, to catch a pass, get a receiver to throw a pass, or or a non-quarterback to throw a pass. Get in on the fourth down conversions, total yardage, national anthem time, so much more. So make sure to go over to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code MHS when you do. Go and uh, get those 56 to 1 odds. Bet those $5. Get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. to the podcast uh, go over to apple podcast go rate it five stars leave a review even if it's not five stars leave a four star three star two star or one star review and tell me why tell me uh, what, what you'd like to see with this podcast as we continue to evolve thank you so very much okay and also i, I want to thank everybody I, I hit 10k followers on twitter which i thought was pretty cool that's one of those milestones that when you get started in this business, you don't really like like that's one of those where you just look at it and think, man, anybody that's over the 10k threshold seems to be like somebody important to people. And so it was really nice to like because I'm 25 years old and I've started doing this really exclusively when I was about 18. So it, it's nice to see the work pay off, and I I do genuinely appreciate everybody for uh, reaching out and, and, and giving a, a nice little congratulations on that. It was really cool. So thank you so much. All right. Uh, let's go with the starters now. Uh, had the main starting unit out there. Uh, obviously, doesn't include uh, Michael Porter or, or Jamal Murray. But you get the unit that usually blows teams out, that usually does a really good job and, and goes about plus 10 to plus 15 every game because that's just what they do. And tonight it really wasn't the case. Uh, just going to read the plus minuses out here. Jokic goes plus one. Aaron Gordon goes plus one. Will Barton minus one. Jeff Green minus three. Monte Morris minus six. Uh, it wasn't the best night for the starting unit, I thought. And, and that's okay. Like they, they, Given that the bench unit scored 61, it's not mandatory for the Nuggets starters 
to be great every single night. And so you get a game like tonight where the Knicks, they hit a lot of outside shots early in the game. Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, Taj Gibson hit his shots. Like, that's not supposed to happen. RJ Barrett hit the shots early, but not necessarily late. So it's one of those things that you look at and think, okay, the Knicks spent all of their resources at the beginning of the game. Their bench didn't really have anything to combat Denver's bench. This is one of those games where the tables kind of get flipped and the team with more resources in the starting unit loses to the team with the elite bench unit. Of course, Denver's bench was the elite bench, and that's not necessarily what you would expect against the Knicks, but their starters came out fighting. Julius Randle had a really good game, at least uh, on the offensive end. Uh, Kemba Walker did not, but Taj Gibson went 12 points for six shots uh, and was very physical with Nikola Jokic for the entire game. It was kind of the, the big note on Jokic tonight that for most of the game, it seemed like things were pretty easy for him. That he put up 21 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, did have 6 turnovers tonight, but it certainly felt like on both ends of the floor, he was in like, like reasonable control. I do think that in that third quarter where Denver gets outscored by 6 points, you look at Jokic and think, man, kind of lost control in that third, arguing with refs about calls, getting frustrated with Taj Gibson for being physical. Taj did his job tonight. He was minus three in 27 minutes, but basically held even with Nikola Jokic. And he did his job. He fouled out, used all six fouls, and made Denver pay on the other end of the floor. Yoke has to just be better, in my opinion, at dealing with the physicality. There were times where he made Taj Gibson look very small tonight, where he made a really nice uh, concerted move. And I thought that his definitive moves tonight yielded a lot better results, where he attacked the shoulder of Taj Gibson and put himself into a position where he could really do some damage. Unfortunately, like I think some of the turnovers that he had were more indecisive moves or bad passes and bad reads. Uh, Taj got a steal. I know Julius Randle got a couple steals on Jokic passes. Uh, not a great effort from a uh, like from a precision standpoint, I think, from Jokic tonight. But he did it. He did his thing. I don't want to go overly like hard on him because. The expectations for the guy are just through the roof. Like he put up 21, 11, and 7, and I'm criticizing him. That's insane. That is a that is an objectively insane thing to do. But I also think that in these situations, he can put the game away in the third quarter. And when Denver's up 23 points at halftime, the thing you want to do as a starting unit. Denver got it up to, I think, about 27 at one point, but that lead immediately dropped down to 20. And then when Jokic left the floor, I'm pretty sure that Denver was up like 17 points. So we actually lost some lost some momentum. And it really was mostly him. It wasn't like I thought Monte Morris was bad. I thought that uh, there are a couple of mishaps from uh, Will Barton or, or Jeff Green or whatnot, but it really was mostly just Jokic kind of either missing shots or turning the ball over. So 
it is what it is. This is a game that you kind of just put behind you. And I have no doubt the yoke will be even better next game. And it'll look like probably about the same numbers, but perhaps a little bit better timing on when he's delivering the killer blow. Uh, did come back in into the fourth quarter, got the job done, uh, went against Jericho Sims and, and put him in the torture chamber. So it is like, look, he's 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 good. Aaron Gordon had a really good game tonight, 19 points, eight rebounds, four assists, one block, a, a really nice block on RJ Barrett right at the rim in transition. Uh, very, very impressive play. Also hit his outside shots tonight, three of five from three, eight of 12 overall. Just a really good game from Aaron Gordon, a really solid game. I'm, I'm never going to get used to him being an outside shooter. It just feels awkward most of the time. But I'm glad that he's going through this right now, where he's finally he's developing confidence, he's developing repetition, and the hope is that he continues to play like this in a playoff series where teams are going to start crowding Jokic, they're going to dig into the lane a lot, they're going to try to make his passes as difficult as possible, and in those cases, Aaron Gordon's not going to have like the most easy shots. He's going to have some contested shots that he's going to have to hit. But he's going to have to feel confident about those too. So hopefully he can. Hopefully he's put himself into a position where he can continue to do that. Uh, but I really liked what I saw from him on the offensive end. Defensively, not as much. Thought that he let go of Evan Fournier several times uh, when he got switched onto Kemba Walker or RJ Barrett. Uh, didn't necessarily handle that well either. Uh, but look, it's it is what it is. Kind of like for all these starters, like you get the some of the positive things, but there were some negative things that pushed their their plus minuses down to even. Will Barton though, uh, thirty seven minutes for Will Barton, and a little bit worried about the uh, about the minutes for him. He's a guy that Michael Malone is very reliant upon. Definitely a trust guy for him for when Jokic is off the floor. And he was coming in for Davon Reed a couple times early in the second, early in the fourth quarters. And he's a guy that sometimes he's going to push the pace. Sometimes he's going to push the tempo and, and do some freestyling. But most of the time tonight, he was very much within his rights to take the shots that he hit and took the right shots, put the right amount of pressure on the defense and, and had a couple of nice drives where he he would drive into the teeth of the defense and then drop it off to another teammate. Uh, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 turnovers, 1 steal. Uh, the rebounding is a good one as well. Like He, he shot 4 of 6 from 3, shot 8 of 12 overall. But the rebounding in the fourth quarter, it really helped Denver put the game away. He does this thing where he often kind of floats to a spot that he thinks he has to be for the rebound rather than necessarily putting a body on somebody. And I thought tonight he was very uh, focused in the fourth quarter specifically on making sure to get the rebounds to finish the possession and to help out Jokic from a rebounding perspective. So that's a good thing. You like to see that from your guys, like to see that from your team for sure. Uh, Monte Morris, I thought he had a tough game, wasn't necessarily his best, and yet he had six assists and zero turnovers. 
But I do think that he was the mark on defense. Kind of like how the Knicks often get abused when Kemba's out there. I thought that they were really targeting Monte Morris in ball screens. And Morris didn't really do that well, especially in the first half. Um, Whether it was Kemba Walker getting downhill, who had eight assists compared to two turnovers, uh, or Evan Fournier getting into the lane, or R.J. Barrett. When R.J. Barrett got switched on, and when Monte got switched on to R.J. Barrett, Barrett did a nice job of driving into the into the teeth of the defense off a pick and roll, and he would try to get around Jokic as much as he possibly could. And so you could definitely sense that whenever Morris was the guy on him, he would be doing that. So I at least want to make it notable. I think that that's an important aspect of this, that Monte has to be better defensively overall, and that he's one of the guys that when you when people a lot of people question Will Barton's defense or Jeff Green's defense, Monte Morris isn't uh, like he's not innocent in a lot of these defensive discussions, and I think that he's had a couple of really rough, rough games defensively. So. Hopefully, when he gets to rest up for the All-Star break, hopefully he can provide some good energy on the defensive end after that. And then finally, Jeff Green. I don't think he did a great job on Julius Randle. I thought that Julius Randle really got to where he wanted to go when Jeff Green was on him. Six points, three rebounds, one assist for Jeff Green. Only played 18 minutes. Uh, Zeke Naji came in for him and played a lot of minutes for him. I was, um, I was surprised to see it for sure. That I think in the first half or the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, they made that sub about five minutes into the game. And Jeff Green came out, Zeke Naji came in, and Zeke played more minutes in the first quarter than Jeff Green did, despite the fact that Jeff Green started. And so perhaps we're seeing a little bit of a shift there from a usage standpoint. You've got the young 21-year-old athletic outside shooter who's playing great defense versus the wily veteran who really does his job and, and fills a good role within the offense for Denver, but sometimes needs a little bit of a break at 35 years old. So it's it's not surprising at all. Nobody should be really blaming Jeff Green for that. But I do think it's in Denver's best interest to try to continue to rest him, perhaps continue to give Zeke Naji some of these big minutes. Um, it's clear that Zeke is benefiting from them. So we'll just have to see how that continues to develop. But for now, that's it for this game. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the trade market, uh, both the, the trades that happened today, the couple of big ones that happened today, and as well as Denver's news. We'll be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment of this one. Let's get into trade season. Uh, actually, before that, just just quickly, Denver's still in the sixth seed, thirty and twenty-four. 
Uh, they've done their job. They, they hit 30 wins before the trade deadline. And they have 28 more games on the season. It's possible that they get to, like, if they went 20 and 8 for the rest of the year, then they get 50 wins. If they go 18 and, what was that math? 18 and 10, then they go 48 and 34. And I think 48 wins nets them an over on DraftKings, if I'm not mistaken. And I'll be cashing in and making some money if that happens. And it's going to involve Denver having to, take care of business in a lot of these games and continue to focus up. And perhaps they're a little bit better after the all-star break where get a little bit of rest. You get a little bit of a a breather for sure, but Denver still has Minnesota chomping at their heels. Uh, They are going to continue to push the envelope for Denver. It seems like the T-Wolves are in a really good place. I have to imagine that they'll get at least 45 to 46 wins. So Denver's going to have to outstrip that. It's possible that they get closer to 47 or 48. And if that's the case, then Denver's now being pushed into the play-in unless they match that. So going to be a real playoff race race to get away from the play-in. And Denver should be doing that because there are a couple teams that made some interesting moves, I think. That are going to that are they're in the kind of the play in mix, and if they get into that play in tournament, then all bets are off at that point. And if they've got a, a good matchup, then that could be really tough. First one we're going to talk about CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum, who's been a Nuggets killer while also a Nuggets savior at times, uh, he goes to the New Orleans Pelicans in a trade that includes Josh Hart. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, among others, Tomas Sadoransky, and some draft compensation going back to Portland. Portland really blowing it up. Vaku Compazzo, Austin Rivers, Monte Morris, they really took apart the Portland Trailblazers dynasty uh, in the playoffs last year in the first round, which is hilarious, by the way. But McCollum on the Pelicans is a really interesting fit. It's not necessarily great next to Devontae Graham, but he's an upgraded version of Devontae Graham, right? Where he's going to provide that offensive spacing for Brandon Ingram, for Jonas Valanciunas, and potentially for Zion Williamson, who it seems like uh, there's been nothing really tangible on what's going to happen with Zion, but CJ McCollum is one of the best perimeter playmakers that they've had there. And Nuggets fans just got to watch Brandon Ingram dominate. They got to watch uh, Jonas Valanciunas at times, and they watched Herbert Jones just absolutely run amok in that case. The Pelicans are building a pretty talented team. And this is a situation where the consolidation of assets for them was probably right. Whether it's the right guy in McCollum or not remains to be seen, but if Denver gets into a situation where they have to play the Pelicans in a play-in game, I'd be worried about that. We know what CJ McCollum can do in a win-or-go-home scenario against the Nuggets. We know what the Pelicans are capable of against Denver. That's just a really good matchup for the Pelicans and could be really tough for Denver if they were to be in that situation. So uh, Pelicans should be interesting. The Blazers 
not so interesting. Uh, they have like the narrative around that is that they are looking to build a new team around Dame Lillard. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I have to imagine that they're going to wait until the offseason to make bigger decisions, but they're going to try to get another star to pair with Dame on the free agent market. And the only guy that really comes to mind for me is Bradley Beal, which you go from Dame and Bradley or Dame and CJ to Dame and Bradley Beal. I'm not sure that's really like that much better. You really still have the same problems. So very curious to see what they do. But the more interesting one, I think, even than that, was DeMontis Sabonis going to the Sacramento Kings for some reason. I'm not sure why the Kings made that move. You've got Rashawn Holmes, who is a solid center, uh, who does a lot of the good things in the pick and roll with uh, De'Aaron Fox. And you give up Tyrese Halliburton in that trade in order to go get an Eastern Conference All-Star who's going to move to the Western Conference in, in Sabonis and probably realize, yeah, this might be a little bit tougher. Might be might be a, a pretty tough scenario for DeMontis Sabonis. Um it's it's no joke. Like this this is going to be a very interesting situation for the Kings, who now have Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes. I doubt that they keep Holmes. I'd be very surprised if they kept both of those guys at the money that they're going to make. But maybe they do. Maybe they decide, hey. We're just going to run with these two guys. We're going to have some great center play, maybe play those guys together a little bit. But then you just become Indiana West. Like I don't know why they would willingly go with the Sabonis-Turner pairing in Sabonis and Holmes, and that's going to be even less spacing because Rashawn Holmes doesn't have an outside jumper. So we're going to see what they do, but I'm not a big fan of that from the Kings. They're 20 and 36 and they're making a buy-now move while trading away a 21-year-old point guard in Tyrese Halliburton, who's averaging like 14-7-4 on elite shooting splits. Seems like a bad idea. It seems like he could be the next all-star um, from that group. That already includes Lamella Ball, Anthony Edwards. I think Tyrese Halliburton, still very, very good player. The Ben Simmons and James Harden rumors are still bubbling. That is probably going to percolate until Thursday's deadline. Uh, did hear something from somebody that perhaps that deal is going to get done and perhaps it's going to get done with more than just the two teams involved. Uh, you know that the Sixers are going to do their best to try to get Harden however they can. Not sure what they're going to end up doing, but it does seem to me like they are going hard for James Harden and they're trying to use this faux leverage that they have that Harden is going to leave there, is going to leave Brooklyn and then come in the offseason. But you've got a year of Joel Embiid right now where he's playing at a near comparable level to Nikola Jokic as the best player in the NBA. I don't think that they'd want to waste that and they would be wasting it if they didn't make the trade because Simmons is not going to come back. He's not going to play in Philly. Just seems very clear. I would be shocked. I would be flabbergasted if he came to play. 
So I think it's going to get done. I really do. I think that Simmons is going to go play in Brooklyn and join that circus show. And I think that Harden will come to Philly. That is going to be a very, very interesting deal. But I'm not sure either of those teams would be a championship favorite. I don't think the, the Sixers would be. They still have some things to figure out. That's a really, really tough fit just from a usage standpoint where both of those guys are going to shoot and play a lot. But it would be fun. And if they could keep Tyrese Maxey in that deal, they have a lot of talent. They could do a lot of different things. Now from the Denver side of things, a couple guys that I had on my list of players that Denver should be going after got moved in those two big deals. Josh Hart seems like a really good fit for a team like Denver, just kind of filling in, bridging the gap between the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Good rebounder, somebody who could really help out in a lot of different ways. He's off the board. Justin Holiday, same thing. He went to Sacramento in the Indiana and Sabonis trade. And so I think that both of those guys are probably off the board now for Denver, which is too bad because they seem like really good options for Denver to get that two-way wing upgrade that I think the Nuggets really need. They need somebody who's going to be able to, to, to defend on the perimeter. I still think that watching Monte Morris tonight, watching Will Barton throughout the season, watching Bones Highland, Faku Campazo, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Jamal Murray is not saving that group from a perimeter defense standpoint. If anything, he might, he might make it worse because he's coming off of a big injury. And I wouldn't want him to be focusing on the defensive end too much. Like, I want him to help out, but not be the guy to lead the charge. You want somebody else to do that. And I think that that player has to come from outside of the organization. Been very clear about that. Still think that it's possible. I still think the Nuggets are looking. I also think that they're looking for center upgrades. Uh, there was a reason why DeMarcus Cousins was not on the roster tonight. His two his uh, 10-day contract expired with the Nuggets on Sunday, and they didn't re-up with that. They are going to do and, and wait through the trade deadline, see what they can get, see what looks good on the trade market, and whether it's Jermichael Green that they decide to stick with, whether it is somebody else on the trade market that they're looking for, I do think that they are going to try to find somebody and they're. I think they're probably going to succeed. I would be surprised if they didn't get a backup center. It's kind of where I'm at with this. Um, but a couple other guys, like uh, Jake Fisher's article on Bleacher Report, really, really helpful, good information. I cited it in an article today on Denver Stiffs, and I think everybody should go read Jake Fisher's his piece. He continues to provide great content. Uh, Matt Moore also said much of the same here, that Faku Campazo and Jamichael Green are available on the trade market. They are players that the Nuggets have made available because I, th- I think other teams could see those guys as being helpful for their groups. I'm not sure if he's uh I'm not sure if any team is going to provide tangible assets or if it's a package that teams are going to want. But I do think that Denver's put it out there that those guys are available to be had. 
and that they sh- like other teams should come and try to find a deal. But also in that article by Jake Fisher, buyout candidates, one of them is Thaddeus Young, who not a not a great fit for Denver, but he would play the five. He would be a role man, somebody who'd be a good upgrade for Denver from an offensive standpoint. But also Gary Harris, old friend of the team, Gary Harris, longtime Denver Nugget, is a potential buyout candidate if he isn't moved, if he isn't traded at the trade deadline. I think he has a $20 million expiring contract, if I'm not mistaken. And that number is pretty high, something that other teams may not be able to take on. And the Magic are probably going to be looking for a first-round pick or a couple second-round picks or a really good second-round pick. They're going to be looking for assets. And I do think that Gary Harris is a guy that would be helpful for a lot of teams, which is why I want him for Denver. I want to see if he could come back. I really do think that if you're looking at perimeter defenders on the trade market right now, you just saw Josh Hart go. You just saw Justin Holiday go. How many other guys can Denver get that are better defensively than Gary Harris? I'm not sure there are a lot. I think there may be like like Kenrich Williams is somebody that I'd uh, kind of have an eyeball on. But beyond him, I don't think there's anybody else. So if I were putting together a checklist, a wish list at the trade deadline, it would be number one. Finding Faku Compazzo a new home to get some playoff or some some playing time. I think that he needs to save his NBA tenure. I think the teams need to see a little bit more from him to prove that he's worth another deal in the NBA. And I can't imagine that his NBA dream is dead because I think that there are teams that could use a backup point guard that is a good facilitator that can move the ball that can create some energy on both ends of the floor defensively. Obviously, it didn't work out in Denver, but I, I some of it's his fault. Some of it is just the circumstance in Denver where they needed somebody different. They needed a different style of player because of the configuration of their roster. And that's like, it's not in Faku's control. So maybe there's another team that could really help that. Uh, number two. After watching them today, after kind of reevaluating things, I think that Denver should just hold on to Bones Highland, hold on to Zeke Naji, keep him in the fold, don't give them away. I floated the idea of Derek White, of Marcus Smart, of players like that. And while they would be upgrades for Denver, while I think very highly of those guys as fits in Denver's rotation, I do think that there are some question marks, and I think that one of those question marks is that if is Denver giving up a, a massive, massively valuable young player in Bones or Zeke in one of those deals? Why would they do that when they want to stay relatively cheap for the next few years? You've got two guys on rookie contracts, one in his first year, one in his second year, who are giving Denver really good minutes right now. And they're only going to get better. They're only going to improve. 
So I'd have to imagine that the Nuggets are weighing the possibility themselves and are probably coming to the same conclusion that I am. The best thing for the Nuggets, both on the court but also financially, is that unless they can get a fantastic deal for an upgrade in the starting lineup, then they should probably hold on to the young guys. Now that means that their trade options are very limited. They're not going to be able to get some massive upgrade on either the wing, uh, at the, the back of five spot, but I do think that they should be looking, and I do think that they should be, number three, acquire a backup center. Somebody that sets those hard screens, can roll and finish above the rim, can block shots. DeMarcus Cousins, for what he brought for Denver, the physicality, the toughness, the attitude, the rebounding, hit a couple threes every now and then. I think there's some value to that. Believe me. I just don't know if it has to be him. I don't know if the Nuggets need, like the physicality is is a big deal, but it's not the biggest deal. Like there are other players that can rebound the basketball, that can finish at the rim at a higher rate and still set good screens and can maybe move a little bit better defensively. One of those guys could be Nerlens Noel, who didn't play tonight, he was hurt. Uh, Willie Hernan Gomez for the New Orleans Pelicans, Jalen Smith, young guy for the Phoenix Suns, Chris Boucher, who apparently is on the block in Toronto, and even Alex Len, somebody in Sacramento who, like, he's got kind of a rough deal, but now they have DeMontis Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes in front of him. I don't know why Sacramento needs to play Alex Len anymore. They should move him for Faku, frankly, because they traded away a point guard and acquired a center. So they should probably trade their backup point guard or their backup center and acquire a backup point guard. I think a Alex Len for Faku Campazo swap makes a lot of sense for both teams now. So Denver's probably going to be looking at that. They're probably going to be looking at the wing market still. And like I said, I don't think that there are a lot of guys. I do think that Kenrich Williams is one of them. If he can be had for a price that Denver is willing to pay, that I think that Denver should go get him because he's on an affordable contract for this year and next year and will be a very valuable piece in a Nuggets rotation that needs guys that can play good defense, that can switch, that can pass, that are smart, that can do a little bit of everything. Kenrich Williams is that guy. If they can't get Kenrich Williams, then I would wait for Gary Harris. I would try to add Gary, and I I consider Gary to be an upgrade over Austin Rivers. I consider him to be an upgrade over Bryn Forbes, maybe in a slightly different way, but probably a more tangible way for a playoff series. I think that if you're the Nuggets, if you're looking at the rotation, you've got 10 guys that, assuming that Murray and Porter are back, you can have 10 guys in a playoff rotation that you really trust. Number one, uh, in the starting lineup, you've got Murray, Barton, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. And off the bench, you've got Monte Morris, Gary Harris, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, and whichever backup center they acquire. Whether it's Alex Len, whether it's New Orleans Dewell, somebody similar, I don't know. 
But I do think that that's a formidable playoff rotation. I think that's a group that you can really justify to your fans as saying, hey, we are going for it. We know that this team and this this player, Nikola Jokic, has been fantastic. We know what Jamal Murray means to the group, and he's going to be back. We know what Michael Porter means to the group, and he's going to be back. And now we've put together the best possible team that we can and are going to continue to do so and are going to continue to work hard towards winning a title for the first time in franchise history. This team is well positioned to do something. They need the best possible versions of Jamal Murray and of Michael Porter, and they should account for that. But I do think that with the way the young guys are playing, with the way the Jokic is playing, the way that Aaron Gordon is playing, Denver owes it to themselves to be aggressive, to shoot for the moon in this case, to try to go do something very special. Because if you meet the right opponents in the playoffs and you get the right fit to help bolster your success, then this team can go far. Truly, genuinely believe that. They have one of the best starting units in the NBA, and it's not even their starting unit. They can get even better. We will see if they do. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. I will be around and, and probably podcast tomorrow about the updated trade landscape think that everybody wants to hear about the trade market and we will just have to uh, have to pay attention maybe denver makes a move tomorrow and then of course you will hear from me that's gonna do it everybody thank you so much talk to you guys very soon Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com listen.